0: Welcome back to New Rockstars. I'm Eric Voss and Star Wars Episode 3 Revenge of the Sith Avenges. The other two prequels with a simple formula restoring the look and feel of as much of the original trilogy as possible, letting their MVPs, Obi Wan and Palpatine, shine. Do it. Hello there. I have the high ground. (laughs) And growing back a pair with some truly dark PG 13 savagery. days away from the rise of Skywalker, let us close out our Star Wars rewatch series with the strongest of the prequels. For easter eggs, interesting visual details, and hidden ways these prequels culminated in the most critical Star Wars development of our generation, Baby Yoda! No, he's not in this video. And before I begin, quick thanks to Marvel Collect by Tops for sponsoring this breakdown. Stick around later for some details on a chance to win some very cool prizes. Okay, the title, Revenge of the Sith, was meant to mirror Return of the Jedi. The revenge in question was hinted at by Darth Maul back in Phantom Menace. At last, we will have And while the Sith Lord Sidious achieves its revenge, the Sith have an inherent flaw to worry about, their own treachery. Maul was but one of a series of apprentices that Sidious expends as he tries to prevent himself from being betrayed the way he betrayed his master. Eventually, the Sith he births in this film will get revenge against him. The opening battle is one of the most thrilling sequences of the trilogy, with a 1 minute and 16 second long take, the longest of any Star Wars film to date. Notice one of the projectiles that hits a Republic ship is a literal kitchen sink. It's an in-joke from the VFX artists that they threw everything into the sequence, including the kitchen sink. Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan Kenobi now more closely resembles Alec Guinness's portrayal, with similar hair and vocal intonation, and right away there is a key moment that foreshadows the coming conflict between him and Anakin. They're all over me! I'm gonna go help them out. No! No, they're doing their job. Then we can do ours. Obi-Wan is following the Jedi code to not let his emotions interfere, but Anakin's compassion butts against that code. Palpatine will exploit this compassion by answering Anakin's nightmares about Padme's death with an empty promise to save her. So they board the command ship. I sense a trap. Notice that no trap is ever really revealed during this rescue operation. Like, they find Palpatine surrounded as expected by the Separatists. Where's a trap? It's a trap! Wait, but yes, Obi-Wan instincts are right. The trap is a more broader plot laid out by Palpatine to manipulate Anakin to become its new apprentice. During this, we meet General Grievous, a Kaleesh warlord with cybernetic enhancements protecting a damaged inner anatomy, causing this cough. <laughs> this sound effect was actually George Lucas's cough. Now, at one point it was believed Grievous had the midichlorian rich blood of the late Jedi Sifo-Dyas, but that backstory was revised. He simply just learned lightsaber dueling from Dooku, and is not himself force-sensitive. When they find Palpatine, he slowly spins around in his chair, exactly how the Emperor greets Vader in Return of the Jedi, and like in that film, he presides over this duel and goads a younger apprentice to kill his former apprentice. Anakin severs Dooku's hands, and Palpatine tells Anakin to execute him without a trial. Do it. In the novelization and an early script draft, Dooku actually speaks up here. He begs Palpatine, Chancellor, please, you promised me immunity. Christopher Lee expresses this with just a great look of shock, one that will forever be on that severed head's face. And notice the rationale Palpatine uses here. He was too dangerous to be kept alive. Later, Mace Windu will echo this exact rationale to Anakin's justification to execute Palpatine. He's too dangerous to be left alive. And so the guilt that Anakin feels over this rush to judgment helps lead him to make that move later on in defense of Palpatine. Anakin compassionately stops to save Obi-Wan. Anakin, there's no time. Leave him or we'll never make it. His fate will be the same as ours. Indeed, time will prove that all three of these men die by the hand of Anakin slash Vader, with Vader's death his own doing, taking on the Emperor's Sith Lightning to save his son. Before we continue, thank you to Marvel Collect by Tops for sponsoring this episode. Unlock a world where you can collect and trade your Marvel characters, and bring your collection life by earning rewards by completing sets, trade in lower level or duplicate cards to receive more special limited ones, and much more. The new collectibles are released every day. Marvel Collect by Tops is available both in the iTunes App Store and Google Play Store worldwide, and it's free to download and free to play. December is Fan Appreciation Month, and it's celebrated in-app. Tops Digital is giving away one free collectible every day of the month for Marvel Collect users to collect and complete the set of 30. Users can collect cards from days in the month that have already passed, even if they didn't sign in that day. So let's check in on my progress. I now have three of the five. I got Iron Man! But still, no Spider-Man or Thor yet but I'll be checking back in, we're gonna get there. By completing these steps, you can enter for a chance to win $1,000 worth of Disney.com gift cards, $250 Midtown Comics digital gift card, or $100 worth of in-app currency. Click on the link in the description to download Marvel Collect app, register a username, and then collect the five fan appreciation character cards located in the free section of the pack store. Once all five are collected, you will be eligible to win the giveaway. And be sure to follow at Marvel on Twitter and at Digital on Instagram. Download Marvel Collect by Tops Digital Trading Card app to start collecting and trading your favorite characters with fans around the world. The app is free to play and new cards are released every day. Download now from the link below. And they transport back to the Senate, and notice the Millennium Falcon makes a little cameo here, and Palpatine explains what went down. They killed Count Dooku, but General Grievous has escaped once again. He swiftly glosses over the fact that not they, but Anakin alone executed Dooku. Yeah, nice cover there. Padme tells Anakin that she's pregnant. Hmm, despite this happy news, this conversation is cast in deep shadow. The one dark spot in this whole bright sunny hall. Anakin's face is often masked in shadow in this film, making him look increasingly sinister, marking his transition to the dark, masked specter we know he's headed toward. Later, when they meet in her chamber, you can see that Padme now wears that dumb necklace that Anakin made for her in Phantom Menace. She also gets buried in it. Whoever Arrange that body should be fired. Palpatine extends his control over Anakin. I need your help, son. By calling him son, Palpatine is appealing to the same desire for family that is driving Anakin's fears about Padme and mirroring the whole familial appeal that Luke will make to Vader in Return of the Jedi by repeatedly calling him father. By promoting Anakin as his personal representative on the Jedi Council, Palpatine knows that the Council will never make Anakin a master just at his behest. But he pushes Anakin into this awkward position to drive a wedge between him and the Order. You are on this council, but we do not grant you the rank of master. What? What? Now, despite his recent obedience, Anakin just falls back into that same defiance that he showed in Attack of the Clones. Why? What? If Anakin's primary goal here is to keep Padme and his unborn child safe, why would he be so salty about this career snub? If anything, being a Jedi Master in the Council would make it harder for him to carry on as a family man. Clearly, Anakin is also motivated simply by selfish power and pride. His fall isn't solely due to his compassion. He's also just kind of a dick. And when Obi-Wan relays the council's directive to spy on Palpatine for them, they unwittingly paint themselves as equally corrupt politicians in Anakin's eyes. As the opening crawl hinted, there are heroes on both sides, evil is everywhere. Also, through the window behind Anakin, you can see a NASA space shuttle. What's that doing there? And as Yoda senses this coming darkness, notice this spent gesture as he runs his hand over his head. This is a direct homage to Akira Kurosawa, the filmmaker perhaps most influential on the original Star Wars films, the shot of Kembe Shimada. the Seven Samurai. Moving on to the best scene of the prequels, Anakin and Palpatine at the Opera House. All who gain power are afraid to lose it, even the Jedi. The Jedi use their power for good. Good is a point of view, Anakin. Palpatine's exact words here parallel Obi-Wan's frustrating counsel to Luke in Return of the Jedi. So what I told you was true, from a certain point of view. A certain point of view? Obi-Wan, in a way, proves Palpatine right. The words of the Jedi can't always be trusted. You ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Darth Plagueis was a dark lord of the Sith, so powerful and so wise, he could use the Force to influence the midi-chlorians to create life. He could even keep the ones he cared about from dying. Then his apprentice killed him in his sleep. It's ironic. He could save others from death, but not himself. I love how Palpatine savors the end of this story, gloating as that bloodthirsty apprentice in the legend, the final Sith in his own mind to climb to the top half of the Rule of Two and hopefully never have to worry about one of his apprentices doing the same to him. Of course, he definitely should worry. And the water ballet that they're watching here is called Squid Lake, probably an in-joke by the production crew to Swan Lake. It's actually a Mon Calamari production with symmetrical choreography two figures confronting almost as if in a duel of the fates. As Palpatine offers this dark cautionary tale, Centered all around the rule of two, and we move on to the Wookiee planet Kashyyyk. The Republic AT-RT Light Walkers and AT-AP Podwalkers are actually forerunners of the Imperial AT-STs that we saw in the original trilogy. And the Juggernaut Turbo Tank, if you look at its body, is actually based on the designs of the AT-AT or AT-AT, depending on your preference, suggesting that the Empire would later convert these vehicles. Yoda meets Chewbacca, and some Wookiee soldiers swing onto the droid crafts with a Tarzan yell. <laughs> is actually a callback, or call forward, whatever, to Chewie's Tarzan Gale in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> on Utapah, Obi-Wan mounts a varactyl named Boga. Ooh. That's my impression of him. And he spies on the Separatist leaders, strategizing long and hard about the best way to keep this element a surprise. Hello there. Ah. Actually, in an episode of the Clone Wars animated series, we find out that Obi-Wan was really calling back a moment where Grievous did this to him. <laughs> Obi-Wan ends up defeating Grievous, but not with a lightsaber, with a blaster. So uncivilized. Obi-Wan is calling back, uh, calling forward? his line in the first film about lightsabers being... An elegant weapon, but a more civilized age. Ah, but now we're in a world without honor, where dirty tricks are the only way to win. So during all this, Anakin walks in on Palpatine, watching Death Star porn, and Palpatine disses the Jedi. I know your power will be too strong to control. Notice how his voice dropped on strong and control. His Sith identity is peeking out as he finally reveals himself to Anakin. Actually an early draft of the script included Palpatine revealing that he used Plagueis' technique to manipulate midichlorians to create Anakin in Shmi's womb, saying, arranged for your conception. You could almost think of me as your father. George Lucas removed it because he felt it was too close to Vader's father reveal in Empire. But notice the art behind them. This is a frieze made by the Massassi. Those were the ancient people who built the temple on Yavin 4, and it depicts the great hyperspace war between the light side and the dark sides of the Force. Visiting Jedi would consider this piece a sign of respect to them. Actually, it's a Sith artifact that Palpatine displays as a statement of Sith superiority. He was under their nose the whole time. As Anakin waits for the Jedi to arrest Palpatine, the blocking as The sequence intercuts between him and Padme signals his shifting perspective. At first, the editing shows he and Padme facing each other, sitting, Anakin facing right, Padme facing left. But then, they stand and go to the windows, facing each other across the city, with the eye lines reversed now. You could argue Anakin's fall comes moments later, but I would say the fall begins with this single tear. Jedi Masters try to arrest Palpatine, or as he calls himself here, the Senate. I am the Senate. But he reveals a hidden lightsaber and wrecks him. That's pretty sad to see expert duelists like Agen Kolar, Sacy Ten, and Kit Fisto fold like battle droids. Though, Palpatine is actually using three advantages here that are a bit hard to spot. First, his speed. Here it's just Ian McDiarmid being in a cool jump, but in the novelization, his leap at them is described as just a blur of red light that they didn't see coming because they weren't expecting to duel. Second, notice the sound he makes as he jumps. Ah! This is actually a dark side move called a force scream creates a devastating shockwave. Vader's noo is a forced screen, because, you know, you see it, how it wrecks the droids. But finally, Palpatine uses a more aggressive lightsaber dueling style that involves him using the blade like a fencing foil. And as this duel goes on, Mace Windu actually disarms him, but Palpatine hits him with some Sith lightning. Now, you are after Mace reflects the lightning, Anakin comes to his aid and cuts off Windu's arm. Ah! Palpatine promises to help Anakin save Padme with an interesting line. Achieved death is a power only one has achieved. But if we work together, I know we can discover the secret. Notice Sheev's subtle eye shift when he says only one has achieved. Obviously, that one person who cheated death wasn't Plagueis, because he did. So it must have been Sheev, right? So is Palpatine immortal? Does this explain his return in The Rise of Skywalker? We will find out in uh, 18 hours. Palpatine names him Darth Vader and states his goal. Once more, the Sith will rule the galaxy. And we shall... Now, you'd think that sentence was going to end with, we shall have our revenge, but like the peace that they'll never have, the Sith will, too, never completely achieve their revenge. Anakin leads clone troopers to the Jedi Temple, killing everyone, even the younglings. (laughs) Meanwhile, Palpatine pulls the trigger. The time has come. Execute Order 66. I love that Commander Cody just recognizes Palp's melted face instead of saying, like, who does? One by one, the Jedi go down. Ki-Adi-Mundi, Plo Koon, Aayla Secura, Stass Alley. But Obi-Wan and Yoda survive, and I love thinking about this moment from Chewie's perspective. (laughs) Anakin catches up to the Separatist leaders on Mustafar, the lava-covered planet originally conceived by Ralph McQuarrie's concept art for the original trilogy. This massacre montage was inspired by the famous baptism sequence from The Godfather, on which George Lucas worked as an assistant editor. In both scenes, the master manipulator ends the war by coldly killing off all the rivals to his power one by one. Palpatine declares himself the Emperor before the Senate. Notice Padme's hairpiece here. It has this embossed wing pattern with the Rebel sigil. The deleted scene actually features Bail Organa and Monster. Mothma forming the beginnings of the Rebel Alliance. On Mustafar, Anakin makes Padme an offer. Together you and I can rule the galaxy. Make things the way we want them to be. This is the same offer that Vader will make to their son, Luke. Join me and together we can rule the galaxy as father and son paranoid insanity, he force-chokes his pregnant wife. And so, Anakin's rationale of doing this all just to say Padme collapses. He is just a scared piece of shit. Obi-Wan arrives and he and Anakin engage in the legendary duel that their confrontation in A New Hope was a rematch of. The imagery is truly apocalyptic and hellish. That the world around them collapses reflects how the dark side has already won whether or not Obi-Wan is successful. Parallel duel is waged between Yoda and the Emperor, set in the Senate Chamber, which similarly collapses as Palpatine dismantles it, cackling, reflecting his dismantling of democracy itself, and it ends in a draw. Into exile, I must go. Failed, I have. From this moment onward, failure will actually be a key teaching tool for Yoda. Remember your failure at the cave. The greatest teacher, failure is. Obi Wan and Anakin's duel reaches its climax. It's over, Anakin! I have the high ground! You underestimate my power! <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, if you think about it, Obi-Wan was actually once in a similar situation with Darth Maul. Maul had the high ground, and Obi-Wan used a similar front flip. So that is how he likely anticipated that Anakin would try the same move here. So as Anakin wallows on the lava beach, you can see how his eyes transition within one shot from normal to red, completing his transition. Obi-Wan retrieves his lightsaber, setting up him handing it off to Luke in A New Hope. Now, an intercutting sequence shows Anakin and Padme's limp bodies being brought into medical bays. Padme is bathed in light, Anakin's shrouded in shadow, and while Padme's hairpiece earlier showed the rebel sigil, an overhead shot of Anakin reveals the Imperial crest. For reasons we can't explain, we are losing her. She has lost the will to live. Yeah, huh? One theory for this inexplicable nature of her death is more manipulations by Palpatine. Maybe he killed off Padme in childbirth to trap Vader in perpetual rage. Because think about it. How else would Palpatine have known she died in this moment? He didn't have a role in it. After giving birth to Luke and Leia, Padme whispers her final words. There's good a name. I know. I know there's. It's interesting how Penny's final line is a sentence completed by her daughter's first chronological line in Rogue One. I know there's still hope. The iconic Vader mask lowers on Anakin's face, and I love the detail of his first breath through the mask, exhaling and puffing back the smoke. The Frankenstein knows! Bail Organa agrees to take Leia, and Obi-Wan will take Luke to Tatooine. And Organa orders his captain Antilles, the captain whom we see die in A New Hope, as they take off on the Tantive Four. Have the protocol droids mind wiped. This memory wipe explains how 3PO does not recognize anyone in the original trilogy. Also, notice this Tanted Force set was the only fully practical set used for the film. No green screen. So all that glossy VFX-heavy look of the prequels ends with a restoration to the simple set that started it all. Vader joins the Emperor and Tarkin as they oversee construction on the Death Star. And our final image sees Obi-Wan delivering the baby Luke to Baru and Owen as they watch the binary sunset. Leaving our future hero with just enough hope to reverse the Sith's revenge with... Someday, a return of the Jedi. Ah, Thank you for joining me on this Star Wars rewatch series. It's been so rewarding to spend these weeks leading up to episode nine with an appreciation for the journey that has led us here. If you're interested in years past, we've already covered The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, so base is officially covered. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at eavoss, and subscribe to New Rockstars for breakdowns of everything you love. Thanks for joining me and thanks for being a good sport, little sores banding. Master Skywalker, there are too many of them. What are we going to do?